Hello, I'm Pam Picard, author and publisher of Reinventing 64, a blog about living happily ever after your life has fallen apart. This is broadcast number one. Today, we're talking to life coach James McNeil. James is the principal facilitator at Phoenix Arises Seminars in St. Louis, Missouri. Phoenix offers personal development workshops that help people wake up to their purpose and passion in life. He is co-producer of Breakthrough the Movie, a conscious documentary. This film shows some of the ways for people to tap into that inner guidance system, our spiritual GPS, if you will, to hone in on what's authentic and fulfilling to us. The documentary is currently being screened across the United States and Canada by organizations who want to help the people in their lives and in their communities realize the bright side of our potential as human beings. James is also creator and host of Breakthrough Blogcast, a virtual roundtable you can hear on the internet where ordinary people have extraordinary conversations about mastering this thing called life. With all this under his belt, James is certainly no stranger to reinvention. In fact, the desire for personal growth was what brought us together. We met in 1988 in Chicago and became fast friends through a series of LifeSpring workshops. Through much of the 1980s, LifeSpring helped individuals recognize unconscious blocks to satisfying relationships and helped us shift into ways of being that made us more effective. For me, LifeSpring was a peak experience that helped boost my professional life to new heights. For James, it was the launch pad to what has become his life's work. A lot of water over the dam since those days. So I could think of no one better to launch my broadcast series and to share his take on how he faces and masters major life change. James, may I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is James McNeil. I'm 43 years old, and I live here in St. Louis, Missouri, and I am a life coach and facilitator and recently um, begun the process or the journey of becoming a filmmaker, a documentary. So it sounds like you've gone through a few reinventions since we met in Chicago in 1988. Uh, speaking of the, yeah, I, I would say that a lot of those reinventions were things that I learned from you. But yeah, I've, I've, I feel like I've been on a, a, a real journey. What, what would you consider to be your three most important reinvention. Sure. I started off as, I would say my first iteration, like James 1.0, was I was a musician, and that's, that's who I always thought myself to be, a classical musician, and I love music, and I, I think musically, and I, I don't think I can avoid that. Um, in fact, in my life, I've been able to fall back or embrace that um, kind of beginning or foundation of, of myself it, using, I love your term of reinvention, but I think that's my first invention of myself. And sometime in my mid-20s when I, I got, when you and I met, uh, 
I really learned that I could be more than just a musician, and I, I found that I had this gift with people. And I, I'll never forget, perhaps the the workshop just before you and I met, someone said, uh, called me something, and I would never heard that word before used. I don't think I'd heard that word before used. Really, I knew the word, but I hadn't ha- hadn't really ever heard the word used, and I hadn't heard it used directed at me. Someone called me discerning, and uh, for the longest time, that word just rolled around in my head and what I understood that to mean is in the work that I w- that you and I did together um, at that company so, so many years ago called Lifespring um, things would occur to me in my head to say and for the longest time I would just sort of argue with myself that it didn't make sense and I started trusting myself and not filtering what was coming sort of to me to say, and I would just say it. And I found more often than not that 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 was exactly what someone needed to hear, and I started to trust that. So um, my next invention became um, a a coach, a a facilitator, and um, I I did that uh, in the corporate arena. I also did that in... um, for myself as a, as as my own uh, company or as my own consultant uh, offering that that service but I, I think that version of me, of me carried for almost 15 years and I really really grew um, by trusting myself by trusting that um, I, it's, it's funny that someone I would say my my coaching career got on the, was was launched because one person said, "I think you're discerning," and it took me 15 years to understand what that meant. <laughs> and um, for I would say my 30s, I spent time sort of closing off from all of the voices that I heard, kind of out there in the market. There were, you know, this spiritual book or this spiritual teacher, and I really wanted to develop my own voice. So um, people, I didn't read books like uh, Conversations with God. It took me 10 years before I read that because I really wanted to develop my own voice because if I was going to be discerning, I wanted to have something unique to say. And so my first invention, musician, my second invention, facilitator and coach. And this most recent invention in the last three years is uh, becoming a filmmaker, which, as you know, uh, requires rhythm and discernment. So um, I, I, I feel like I've been able to sort of come back to my roots. I think evolution is, an, is a process that includes and evolves. So in terms of the trainings that you're doing, can you just back up a step for me and, and talk a little bit about, you know, um, S. Life Spring Phoenix, you know, what the purpose of these trainings were and how, and, and how you were helping people? Sure. The best way to describe what LifeSpring was and why it was so important um, at the time, LifeSpring was about um, giving people an experience. And I, I think the difference between LifeSpring and all of those 
sort of the the leaders in in in, in that world, um, which we, I think we've all sort of benefited, but we've taken it all in our own ways to different places. But what LifeSpring was really about was um, giving people an, an opportunity to see through an experience their own thought process and their own beliefs and to see them in action through kind of suspending disbelief, sort of putting people in the movie of their lives and giving them um, the tasks to accomplish. And as they accomplish those tasks, what they do is bring their thought process, their beliefs there. So, for instance, if someone has a thought process that says, you know, I'm competitive or teams don't work, and the task involves a team, those two people are going to approach the task differently. And in a short period of time, the, the facilitator can start an exercise and stop an exercise and dissect what happened so that the person or the participant can uh, catch a glimpse of their behavior in action in this sort of uh, virtual world. And the theory is whatever whatever you brought to this virtual world and the results that it created are the same results and thinking that you're bringing to your real life. And so if people could, re- could connect those two, they could see particularly if the, the results were, 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 were ones that were undesirable so that they could shift it. So it gave them a tool to more consciously manifest their lives. Yeah, I would say that that's the purest definition of what LifeSpring was. Now, where I've sort of taken off, from, you know, as a launching pad, I think that um, that people need to need to have a moment have they need to have time or they have ha- needed to have time i think i think for the very first time in in my career i'm actually seeing that the course might actually be obsolete i'm seeing people show up in the workshop who see right through all of the exercises and they don't need them but um my particular theory is that we have memories trapped and stored in our body that if I could um, provide a safe space for, for participants to process those stored memories and that energy uh, that accompanies those memories, they can experience an unbelievable level of freedom. Much of what I've discussed on the, on my blog so far has really been about um, you know experiences that we experienced and 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 interpreted as a very young child you know before our memory can recall and those things and and science now tells us that those traumas those insults even if they weren't real but only perceived that created, oh, they created it an, yeah it yeah they created an energy the energy stuff. The energy stuck. The energy stuck, and it's really like a little fly trapped in amber. 
So yes, you know, breaking through unconscious blocks. And how is Phoenix doing that that LifeSpring didn't? Um, I think that, um, well, I think the main difference between Phoenix and LifeSpring is that, um, like all great ideas, um, it, it became institutionalized and it became about the about the machine. And, and again, that's just these are these are just my opinions. I think what's different about LifeSpring and Phoenix is that. Um, as the facilitator and, and the coach and the owner of, of Phoenix, I actually get to know each person. Um, and in LifeSpring, you know, we never really got to know people. It was just kind of ship them in, move them out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, there are pluses and minuses to that, to that format or that formula. For me, it feels so much more human for me to connect because as I'm working with people, I'm absolutely working on myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the main difference is uh, sheer volume. Um, and, and for the longest time, I had this sort of internal struggle with myself that we weren't big enough and um, we weren't, you know, the, the workshops weren't, you know, 100 people. There weren't, you know, 150 people. And um I I like large workshops and courses. I mean, they have their their um, their character and, and um, they have their own distinct rhythm. But there's something really about the 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 twenty, thirty, forty group size groups where not only do uh, I have do I have an opportunity to actually reach and touch people, but they they can reach and touch me and they reach and touch each other. And that, I think, is the huge distinction between Phoenix and LifeSpring. And so how does that now square um, with the Breakthrough the Movie, the work that you're doing through, um, you know, with the Breakthrough the, the Movie, um, is it the consciousness movement? Yeah, Breakthrough a Conscious Documentary. Well, first of all, the, the movie Breakthrough wasn't my idea at all. In fact, I um, I was not. I, I went into the movie kicking and screaming. I I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't. I didn't think that. Um, I, I worried that having a camera in a in a workshop in a in a sacred space would somehow taint it. Having grown up and and worked um, for companies like uh, MTV Networks, uh, I mean, I sort of was at the the beginning. Uh, of the reality TV craze with real world, and I, the, I knew that there was nothing real about it, and I wanted nothing to do with that. But my partner, Michael, had the vision that he really wanted to help not just people, but he wanted to help coaches. He knew that, um, had the sense that coaches were, were having a difficult time describing the work that was available to their potential clients. But if clients could see what happened, what happens in a course, then um, it would sort of demystify it. And and I say again how, um, you know, kind of the good and the bad of reality TV is that 
you know, the younger generations of 30 and under, they really see through all of, they see through it all because they've been exposed to it. And so when I finally agreed to allow a camera to, to, to be in, a work, in the workshop, and I saw on film what, I, what for me is like a day in the office, I suddenly realized the power of, you know, reality. Not reality TV, but the power of reality and the power of reaching people at a level that I will never, ever be able to reach them in a workshop. It gives them a picture of what they hook into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives them, it gives them um, you know, we're all in our lives so busy that, you know, to take four days of, four days out of someone's life for five days to sit down in a workshop may not be uh, something that a lot of people feel, you know, especially in whatever the, the story is about the economy. It may be a luxury. But if someone can watch a movie and become unstuck, in fact, what we found in our first international screening in Thunder Bay um, we showed the movie, and our idea was we were going to show the movie and um, on one evening, and then the next evening sort of do the processing work, the workshop. So we're going to show the movie and then have like a question and answer, just about the movie. I, I, that's what we thought. But I kept attempting to get people to sort of just talk, you know, kind of on a surface level, and I found that where people were kind of their emotional readiness or preparedness after, a, after the 74-minute movie was the exact same readiness after two days of the, break, of the basic workshop. And they were just ready to go. And so that, they were really ready to open up. They were really ready to talk that, and, and address it. Yeah, that stunned me. I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't ready. We weren't ready. So we had to get very quickly, I had to get ready. I'm like, okay, well, you guys, you don't want to, you don't have questions. You want to work. And it went from there. I, I mean, the kind of things that um, people would share after uh, or, or, or would be ready to confront after two or three days of intense preparedness. You know, I, I think the first couple of days of, of, of the workshop, that I that I do um, is just to get is to give people the foundation. The movie did it in seventy four minutes. That's amazing. Yeah, having having done Life Spring, you know that, which is my initial experience, and then having, you know, been in your coaching program and been to multiple um, trainings with multiple trainers, you know, and watching people, you know, I, I mean, I always felt like. That every you know every exercise built on the next exercise, and every exercise had a specific uh, function in terms of of getting of preparing. I think that's a, a good word of preparing the you know the person to to confront um, what might be something very dark that they've held onto for a really long time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know for them to be able to watch the movie and come out with that is is stunning to me. I've been following your blog. I love I, I love your writing. I think you are I think you are one of the most gifted 
wordsmiths I've ever known. But um, I mean, your September 18th one, um, I'm sort of looking at it now, but um, but what struck me about that was like the process of love, like love is love is honest, love is love surrenders, love releases, love is strong, love is unconditional, and that's you know that's really what happened. People get to if if because we're visual, we're so visual. If people can see love, then they it automatically surrenders and releases. And if it's honest, it's honest, and it doesn't matter what format it's in, I think. And so how are you following it up? Your timing is brilliant. I think you're, you're catching me in this interview, um, I'm so, and I'm so honored to, to, to be here with you, but you're catching me at the moment where we are really designing it. Um, uh-huh. what, we, what, we, what happened is we left and we realized that the, what we planned wasn't enough. So we're going back in six weeks to do what's called, and we're reinventing the basic course. We're calling it Breakthrough Basics, where we show the movie, on a Friday night, and through um, a, um, sort of a, a new or updated version of some of the exercises that you're familiar with, but um, I, I'm really I'm taking an axe to a lot of the exercises and just chipping away uh, and, and lopping off whole sections that no longer seem relevant. They just don't seem relevant. And um, and on a a Saturday, Sunday format. So Friday night, they see the workshop. I see the movie. Saturday from ten to six. Sunday, ten to six. Um, that's the format. And then we're going to do what's called advanced breakthroughs, uh, which builds on uh, breakthrough basics and gives people an opportunity to take their life on full throttle and perhaps only a two-day format. And then um, breakthrough communities, which is how they take what they've learned from the movie to create um, uh, projects in yeah, the that, community. That's a leadership. Yeah, the leadership. Yeah, but yeah. but in a in a very different way. I, I just don't think that some of and I I think that you'd be surprised. I know it's been a couple of years since you've been in a workshop with me. I don't think you would recognize me or the work that I'm doing based on your last experience or exposure of it. It's changed so much. Um, it's no longer um, kind of the, where someone is pushing you or confronting you. Um, I, and not only that, I, I don't have the, I don't really, I find at 43, I don't have the chops for it anymore. <laughs> I really don't. No, I don't. No, in, no energy for calling everybody an asshole every Wednesday. No, I, I don't have. It's like it's, how much of that does the world need? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, for, for me, I've been. Um, I, I, I love that we're having this conversation now because all that's happening for me, and, and I'm, I'm also in the process of getting my master's, and um, we. I've been really sort of obsessed with this idea of being relevant. What's relevance? 
and I, and I've finally reached this, the age where the things that were important to me, kind of in the, in society and sort of pop society, and and sort of my my markers are no longer relevant. I had I had the experience of watching. I watched MTV the via, the Video Music Awards, and I didn't under I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know any of the artists. I'm like, oh, this is where this is when it starts. <laughs> I, I just became old. like, I, I watched like, and the winner is. I'm like, who is that? Like, I don't know anything about you know what pop culture is. I am now. I've I've suddenly I'm I'm recognizing the experience of being marginalized. And it's fascinating to, to have that happen. Not really, darling. Not really. Not really. Not really. No, it's fascinating. Let's talk about that. I mean, this because this is this is this is interesting. To it me. is fascinating. Um, you pro- to we me. probably couldn't have had this discussion before now, you know, because this is kind of what happens. Certainly, what happens to women when they hit their forties. You know, when, when you, you know, it's, let's look at Hollywood actresses, you know, they make three movies as an ingenue and they're out, right? Yeah. And so, you know, the experience of being marginalized is one that, you know, that I'm familiar with. Tell me how you're dealing with it. Well, first of all, I'm just recognizing it. It's, I, I you know, I didn't, I didn't expect it. I didn't, I didn't expect it. I didn't recognize it. I just sort of kind of, you know... There'd be a song on, and I'd go, oh, God, well, who the hell is that? Turn that off. Like, you know, I was starting, starting to recognize my crotchetiness. Like, I'm turning into this old, you know, curmudgeon. <laughs> and um, so, but I'm also sort of watching, you know, what's, I'm, a, I'm an astute observer of, of, of society. I love watching what's going on. And, like, there are people that, you know, you know, for me, this may not make sense to anybody, but do you know Martha Stewart no longer has uh, a syndicated television show on network TV? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is interesting. She is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And... Um, She's on a, a, a show called the the Hallmark Show, the Hallmark Hallmark Channel. Sorry. Um, here's someone who commanded and in a, commanded a, the attention of you know of pop culture for so long, who now is on a, uh, on a network that nobody even really knows. She lost her syndication. Um, the fact that Oprah is going off the air, that's a huge key clue mm-hmm. about, um, I mean, it, it, it must be maddening to continue to try to stay relevant. Like, I, I watched her show the other night, and I, I, don't, I don't watch her show very often, but she had Jon Stewart, who I worked with when I worked at MTV. Jon Stewart was on, like, 70% of the show. And um, at the last 25% of the show, she had... Uh, Liza Minnelli, what the hell does those, do those two things have to do with anything? <laughs> they don't. 
<laughs> they don't. Oh, no, no, but no, no, but John Stewart's very relevant. He, well, no, they don't, have anything, he's, he's do, they don't have anything to you know. do with, they don't have anything to do with each other, but in, no, with each in, other. To, no. in, to be, in today's world, um, it used to be that if you had a book or if you had, an, had, a, had a record or whatever, the, a company would buy it and they'd promote it. But with social media and, you know, we made our own movie on our laptops. All of that right. technology is now available. It's in the hands of everybody. And so we learned in this workshop that we attended, uh, our conference, Movers and Shakers with Hay House, that publishing companies won't even t- touch your book unless you're, you're, you are coming to them with an established platform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what that means to me is in the world, and if you see this on, on, on network TV in terms of reality shows, the average person, not, it's not just the starlets and the ingenues anymore. The average person can go on a, on a reality show, create their own um, platform, and parlay that into a career. Right. That's, right. That's Anybody can get published. Anybody that's can the world we in. live in. That's the world we live in today. Right, right. And what that means is all of the, the people who, who once had enormous power are now starting to be etched out. And, and so it's exciting to, to watch. Like, so your, your question, that's kind of a, a, a long, I can, you can tell I'm really passionate about this. Um, the long answer to your question is, I am watching my response. I'm curious and observing my response to what's being presented in front of me. I cannot continue doing the same work I've been doing for the last 20 years because the people that that work was designed for are no longer the majority. I, I tell you, there were people in this last workshop, one, one gentleman in particular, any, I, had to, I had to rip the entire workbook up because he, he, from the time I was setting up the exercise, he understood its purpose. That's yeah. fascinating. So, so let's so let's get it. Let's get a little more personal right now. I mean, you, you're fascinated by the change that's calling you, and and we've so far agreed that you've. You, you, I've said you've outgrown your work. You're saying the work has outgrown you. You're yeah, saying that the audience, the audience is so. So now you know there's a certain you know when we get to this particular point when we realize what we were doing is no longer working, and what we're going to do has no longer been has not been invented. There's a certain groundlessness there. Is that scary for you? How do you well, feel about that? I think that um, when if if we are if we listen if we keep our eyes and ears open. And I'm not, I don't pretend that that's easy to do, because as I told you, um, I did not want to do this movie. Michael had, I'm very blessed that my partner listens to things that I don't 
that I don't give a lot of credence to. Like, I kind of put my head down and I work. I'm a worker. And, um, but I do have this part of me that, that, that listens to kind of like the other realm, you know, that I go back to that discernment again. Um, if we listen, if we continue listening, and I think you, you do that, Pam. You, you, are, <laughs> you are the Madonna of my life. You have, constant, <laughs> you have constantly reinvented yourself. Uh, you, you I, have, that, I you, have not. You, no, I've changed clothes. That's no, the no, 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 between, dear. No, 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 no. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm on the other side of you watching you. You, I, I've watched you do it again and again and again. Now, I don't know the significance of reinventing life at 64 for you. I don't know if um, there comes a, part, a point when, when, someone, when, when, when one might feel, damn, is, isn't that enough? Haven't I reinvented enough? I, I don't know if that is the case. And I certainly, I, there are, there are 64-year-olds that um, you run rings around them, rings. <laughs> and I see them sort of atrophying and closing in, not responding. And just the fact that you've got this show and this platform that you're developing is evidence of your willingness to reinvent. And I think it has, it has to be... We have to first of all we gotta trust ourselves. Everything once I once I stopped kicking and screaming, I saw that the next step was right there. And and everything that all of my experiences up till now were preparing me for it. You know, I I, I edited my first video with you. Yeah. However, how, but you know what? I watched this blog, my broadcast. Um, I've watched uh, Breakthrough Blockhouse. I've watched it grow to, do you know now, like, it's like almost three months booked. Uh-huh. Yeah. With people? With people. With people who want to be on it. It's, and it was just a tiny little idea on an airplane. Yeah. What if? Yeah. What, what if I could? What if we could write blogs? And what if? And now they're like, there's a calendar. Pretty soon, I'm going to need somebody to book the book people, because it's it's gotten to be almost too much for me by myself to manage. I'm and I'm not kidding. I believe it. No, I believe it. Well, it needs an editorial slant too. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. At it's some going, point you it, do it, this, it's going to. You know, it, it, at some point you have. To, yeah, at some point it's 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 going to have to to be structured. The and, 2011 you know, version will look very different than it does in 2010. Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting, though. You know, it's so exciting to you know to have that to have the, this platform. And uh, um, and then to have participation in it by you know people who are showing up and saying you know I really appreciate what you're doing well, and I thank you for the compliments that you've given me. Well, the but, power you know, is that we all can create. We we all have the power to create our own platform. Do we? Are we courageous enough to sit in the void until until like we want it all instantaneous? 
Right. But, but that, and that's really rephrasing my question. Are you courageous? How do you handle sitting in the void? And that's the void in which, you know, what was is gone. What isn't, it hasn't appeared. And, you know, what do I do now? You know, I mean, I, I stopped trying to do, and I've taken an inordinately, I think, long period of time being, because doing is easy for me. Oh, but I wouldn't, but, I wouldn't discount the being. I, I, I spent 10 years being, really. And, and sort of the, that, that huge, I had a huge, and I think every, every great person or idea has to have a moment where life completely blows up. You know, like um, in um, uh, uh, um, Biography, I don't know if they still do those, but, but you know, the Biography Channel, when they, they, they do a, like a one-hour uh, dossier on an on on interesting person, and they always kind of show, like, their dark period, and that period you know it's dark because the pictures are black and white and the camera goes in this slow, you know, kind of... <laughs> Diagonal. Now you're a filmmaker, right? Yeah, but but I've always I've always moment. No, no, but I've always I've always used I've always used that even before I became a filmmaker. I when I'm when I'm with people in the course, particularly the advanced course, I've have always for the last ten years thought of. So I was a filmmaker even before I knew I was. That when when I'm with people, that it's that moment where the camera moves in and it's dark and and then you know something happens and then the camera pulls out and then it's all brighten again, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think every, for me, that huge thing that happened in my life, and we all ha- have it happen when just something happens and, and life blew up. And I had mm-hmm. to sort of decide who I was and I, that, the, how that happened. And, and uh, I, I won't go into detail about that, but I am so grateful for that because it taught me to stand up. Mm-hmm. And I think that we we discount it, but that huge explosion, that dark period where the camera goes, that was that was when I became me. I count my biggest disaster as as the op, as my biggest opportunity. Right. And um, perhaps you know you can look at. As you're looking at your, the archetypes, you're seeing the opportunities in your in your own personal wounds, and the opportunities that are presented are inherent there. I don't. I see the Gulf crisis and the economy and all of it in the exact same way. I am. I am. I saddened. Am I alarmed? Am I? You know, concern absolutely, but I, I, but I'm also excited. I'm excited because um, we have we've reached the end of the road of how we've done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it really cannot sustain it anymore. We are the earth as we're in. You know, why would we think that as you're reinventing yourself, I'm in reinventing myself? Why wouldn't the earth reinvent itself hmm. and our relationship to, you know? And sometimes it takes that huge, you know, eruption. I mean, you know, the analogy isn't lost. I mean, it's a perfect analogy, a huge eruption, explosion for us to, to reinvent and reorient ourselves 
to earth for um, us to reinvent and reorient ourselves to money and value. Uh, you know, when the economy crashed. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. took a look at the last time, you know, we had the depression and the reset. I mean, it's what's happening. And for me, it's so exciting because it, it for people who are awake and as markers or milestones to wake people who are on the verge of waking up, that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, I was talking to somebody a, a few days ago, you know, the, there are children being born now, or, you know, the five, seven, seven, six, seven-year-olds. We're at the verge where kids are going to be born where they can't imagine the Internet never existing. Mm-hmm. Like, they mm-hmm. won't be able to conceive it. And you and I had to decide if we were going to make use of the Internet. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, I really remember going, I don't think I'm going to get an email address. Hmm. So it's just, for me, it's just such an exciting time. And if if we all stay conscious, if we all stay awake, and if we all um, can remember that we're all in it together, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that if we, and that it's our job to build our own platform, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's with our friends, whether it's in our communities, that our job is to use our platform to not only transform ourselves, but the people with whom we have influence. And if everybody's doing that, I, I'm, that makes me excited. Um, you know, I, I, would, I could talk forever, but I don't know how on earth I'm ever going to edit this or use okay. this. Uh, you know, there's so much of it that's so wonderful and so good, and oh, I love thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for and, the opportunity. And it's so much fun. Um, and I want to share it. And I have a lot of work to do um, in terms of getting my blog ready for my podcast, but this, is, this has just been a wonderful conversation.